Hey guys, it's Kenny. Can't wait for you to hear this interview with AEW's music coordinator, Mikey Ruckus. Now do me a favor, leave a five-star rating and review. And also don't judge too harshly at the two-minute mark. We did have some audio glitches for about a minute. But after that, the rest of the interview is perfectly fine. Enjoy. Uh, the first time I did that was with, um, of course, with the best friends, the bow, whip it, the bow, whip it, the bow, whip it, the best friend. People thought I was scratching. Penny, it's Izzy, the prodigy here. Kenny, Brandon, what's going on? Chris Van Fleet here. I hope the episodes just keep getting better and better and better and stacking them up like New Day pancakes. This is the biggest accomplishment of your podcast. So send me a thank you, write me a nice letter, tweet me, DM me. Mikey, what's going on, man? Thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, how's it going? Got, uh, glad to be here. Pretty good, pretty good, man. I mean, you're a man of many hats. You were you were multitasking right beforehand. You were make finish putting the finishing touches on some songs. Um, so, what? Tell me, what is your official title at AEW? Well, some people call me the music guy. Others call me like a music artist. But, you know, the, I guess you can say the official title is music production coordinator. It's a big, big title. Um, so I'm cool with that. It sounds cool. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. I mean, it's not like you go on, on LinkedIn or something, search up AEW music coordinator and get 50 job applications uh, and a recruiter searching for you. So you're in a pretty unique position. Like, how does one become the AEW music coordinator? A lot of it had to do with timing, uh, a little bit of luck, and a lot of uh, my previous clients speaking on my behalf. Um, I started in the mixed martial arts industry in 2010, just out of need uh, to supplement my income, um, looking to do some extra, do some extra stuff on the side. The only thing I was really good at outside of retail management was music production, and I. I just figured I'm going to do it and I'm going to charge a little bit of money and try to make a little less money. And it just grew over time. And uh, in 2019, maybe, is when I heard the of all the wrestling, I just figured it was my chance to make something happen. So I just started sending out messages, trying to network. And it really didn't click until a lot of my previous clients from the UFC and NBC Sports started kind of speaking out on my behalf. And um, I reached out to a few people, and the first person to contact me was uh, QT. Okay. QT texted me, then Brandy uh, texted me, and then that's when everything just kind of snowballed after that. It was originally I was just going to do a handful of tracks, but I, I knew that there was going to be more content and more content. So I kind of pitched the idea, like, I can make these – 20 tracks or you can pay me this and i'll just work here forever and <laughs> they were like okay let's do that i i didn't think that was going to happen so i was very shocked when when it did but i figured why not maybe this is my time maybe this is my chance so it just all worked out that way i like that you have the mentality of you know they cracked the door open so you kicked it down and and offered your services you know you you seem like that kind of guy from from listening to your story in the past i mean you were working retail full time and i'm I'm you were managing right C correct me if i'm wrong so yes that, that means you weren't working 40 hours a week that was probably a salary working uh, 60 probably most weeks yeah. right yeah 60 hours easy um from from right around 20 
maybe 2008, I was well over 40, 50 hours a week. Uh, I used to run, um, I was a multi-unit manager for Blockbuster for a little while. And then when they shuttered, I ended up going to Best Buy and uh, okay. I was a manager there. Uh, 20,000 square foot building, $25 million annual revenue, 100 employees that reported to me every day. So it was, uh, it was pretty hectic there. Um, I, I did not enjoy the big box retail experience, and I ended up going into smaller boxes. So I was with uh, Dollar Tree for close to five years, and um, I really I liked the community aspect of it. And uh, just a smaller box and, and seeing your normal customers every single day and things like that. And I started to do the music on the side in 2010 and just kind of built up to where 2016, when I transitioned over to uh, independent wrestling scenes, it it exploded. And, you know, it was easy 60 hours a week in the stores and it was an easy uh, additional 20 hours or 25 hours, maybe even more in my office at home after that. So uh, yeah, like 16 you- hour days were the norm. You're saying, Brandon? Yeah, I was saying, like, when when did you sleep? How did you? How was it finding time to be able to compose all this music? You know, when you got your regular job on the side. Yeah, sleep was a suggestion for me for the last. <laughs> 2016 to 2018 i mean like it hit it hit high speed and i just got into this i got into this flow where i was up at you know 6 a.m i was in my store until 5 p.m i was back in my office at 6 30 p.m and worked until sometimes midnight one o'clock in the morning and you know thank the lord i had a wife that was very understanding and, and she knew that we were working towards something bigger and even when those times where i started to get burned out you know, and didn't know what was on the horizon. Um, she was there to kind of, kind of push me along and say, "Listen, you know, you, what you're doing is a good thing." And uh, you know, we were, we were a good power couple, and we still are. And and she's, uh, she's my right hand. That's awesome, man. I mean, I, I can totally relate to that. And honestly, you're inspiration to me in that sense, because, you know, like I, I think I told you before the call, I, I'm a jack of all trades trying to accomplish my dream, too. So to see someone make it, you know, um, that that's awesome, man. Um, and uh, let me ask you, though, about your Twitter. Um, I think your Twitter is the definition of wrestling wholesome content because your in-laws are like the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Every time you post about, you know, your father-in-law finding action figures or loving, loving certain wrestlers. I mean, uh, how, how supportive have they been uh, and your family in general of you in AEW since you've accomplished your dreams, you know? Um, my, my family has known that I was going to I was heading for something like this for a long time. Um, the family's always been supportive. Uh, my in-laws moved in October of last year. So right around the time that dynamite, uh, started. So they knew what was, what was happening. Uh, they lived in Florida. They got to a point to where it was a little bit, it was a little too difficult for them to, to take care of themselves. So we decided to move them in with us. And, uh, once they saw the product, like the very first time, I mean, they, they were hooked like that. And, um, like every, it, it doesn't matter what's going on. They want to know about who who's doing this and who's getting on what and what's happening, the inner workings. And uh, we had a, a company Zoom meeting one time. I think my mother-in-law kind of poked her head in on the side. <laughs> like I had the camera up and I see her kind of. <laughs> you have to explain to everyone what, so, who that is in the background. Yeah. So it was cool moment uh but they they love the product and i mean they're they're all about it right before dark starts every tuesday night right before dynamite starts every wednesday night they hit the couch five minutes before (laughs) and they're sitting there waiting 
and they're in their spots. And and man, my my mother-in-law has no filter whatsoever. Like if I could if I could film her for two hours, I mean it it would be absolutely hysterical. And yeah, I get a little dose of that just on your Twitter. And I and, and I'm not the only one. A lot of people are like, ask him about his family because uh, a lot of people are loving loving that just as much as they love your music. But speaking of music, I you know, Brandon and I are actually musicians ourselves. So I think our brains work a little differently than the average fan on, on this. Um, we've always appreciated um, good music composers. And I would argue that we listen to music different. So can you give us the, um, the synopsis, basically what you do and how you listen to music and how you compose your music like the mindset i should say that you have to be in i am it's it's funny you say that because a lot of people don't really understand the mind of a musician and depending on what you've come up in what musical craft whether it's uh, playing piano or playing drums or playing guitar you're going to you're going to encompass yourself in musicianship based from there and, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I started out playing guitar, but I've always been a rhythm-based type person. Okay. It's always been about percussion for me. It's always been about, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a drum kit. I'll bang on some trash cans. I've done that <laughs> all shit before. You know, I've turned, I've flipped trash cans upside down and and uh, and just get to banging away. But I've always approached every track from a percussion and a rhythm and a tempo standpoint first. That, for me, like, once that is set, everything else kind of falls into place. And uh, it's, it's really weird because you do it for so, for so long. And, and now I get to do it like eight hours, 10 hours a day. And sometimes even longer, there's times where I'm in here seven days a week and people don't know. I just, I come in, I, I have my office at home. So I work from home. I get up in the morning. If, if I'm in my boxer shorts and I want to go upstairs and I want to get something into the system, I'll, I'll take care of that right then and there, as opposed to waiting for a Monday or driving to the office. So when you enter in that zone, it just, it, it happens. And there's, you learn, there's an internal switch that turns on and it just becomes this decision-making process. And for me, it's always rooted in percussion and tempo. That's awesome. It's always it's always awesome to ask a musician kind of like what their process is, because some people say, well, I need to hear lyrics first or I need to put down, you know, guitar first or I need an acoustic guitar to accomplish it. So you're you're needing percussion, which is interesting. I, I actually don't know a lot of musicians that start with percussion, believe it or not, which I know that is probably the average way most people start. Yeah, and it's for me, it's it's developed over the years. And in, in mixed martial arts, there wasn't really a whole lot you could do with it because it's very linear. Like people are going to war, and you don't have time to play around or tell any stories. Like these fighters wanted their story told, and that they're going to hurt somebody or why they've decided to fight. When you're writing themes for professional wrestling, you have an open storybook, so you can kind of go from from high paced and and uh, fast paced music to dramatics and stuff like that but for me it always starts with the walk the wrestlers walk what their strut is like what they if they they walk out fast if they if they're a big guy and they walk out slow for whatever reason the moment i see them and how they walk that's how i set the tempo right and we go from there and and a lot of times the the talent themselves don't even realize that that aspect until i explain it to them and they're like oh and a, and a light goes off and, you know, you could be 300 pounds and, and walking out to like some 41. It's like, wait a minute, you're right. a big guy. Let's slow this down. Let's take your time. Like you want to sell yourself 
on your way to the ring. So let's slow it down a little bit. So when I explain to them, understanding their beats, understanding their tempo within their, their own internal clock, then it kind of, it, it kind of clicks and they're like, aha, I, I get it. I understand. So. I love that. Some I love coaching it. and training that yeah. goes along with, with music production. No, that's absolutely like vital because what you said is like, you know, a band can like all of the, or a wrestler can like all these bands, but if it's not fitting, you know, a 300 pound lumbering walk, he shouldn't be coming out to the, you know, it's, it should exactly. be, you know, the beats per minute should be a little bit slower and it should fit the tempo and the vibe that, that they're trying to convey. Because after all, this is a character theme, not necessarily a good song. You know what I mean? It, it's both obviously, right. but um, <laughs> that's, that's awesome to hear like behind your creative process. Now I, I know that's probably a question you've gotten from a lot of people, but uh, I figured let's, let's dive into some or dive into some questions that we haven't asked. So what is the most, let's just say the craziest thing that you do maybe uh, when making music, something that a normal person would go, wow, that's really weird, but a musician would totally understand where you're coming from. Um, well, the f- one that right off the top of my head, um, I like to do a lot of vocal sound effects and just kind of warp them and do some effects. So the, the, the first time I did that was with, um, of course, with the best friends, the bow, whip it, the bow, whip it, the bow, whip it, the best friend. People thought I was scratching. And actually, I just did that. That was awesome, by the way, just just what you did. uh, (laughs) I did some distortion, did a little bit of chopping. And then I took it one step further with uh, Brody's track. So right after the the join us section, there is a, um, there's a, (laughs) I did that. Also, and just kind of chopped it up. And then I did it again with Scorpio Skies. So, but this time I actually did a sample. I sampled it and put it into my beat machine where it's doing the sky, 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 to make it sound like it's cutting and scratching and fooling around with pitch envelopes and stuff like that, just to kind of give little nuances and give a little bit of extra flavor and color and, and variety to the tracks. I think nuances are kind of what make your themes so so good because you can only like you know we all have our own styles our individual styles and to find those little nuances is what makes each character theme different and that's kind of kind of what i've appreciated about you because i'll listen to a track and like you're telling me best friends like i would never if you know i was uneducated i would never know that you were the vo- uh, the vocals on that song the vocals on scorpio sky the vocals on brody lee they all sound like different people so to find those nuances in yourself and just bring that out that it's really commendable man um i think that makes it the most fun also you know it's you know you you have critics out there that say that certain songs all sound the same and of of course every composer or musician has their own particular style but i really like diving into the those nuances so like for instance with eddie kingston's theme when i did the verse on that and that'll be out soon i'm just i'm waiting to get some cover art back and that'll be out there but the the whole vibe to that was 1990s dmx so you'll hear the the verse that i delivered there was exactly in those styles so those those little nuances or, or with uh, Reach for the Sky for Scorpio Sky, it was all about Run DMC, Down with the Kings. Yep. So there's those little things that kind of give that color and give that variety and almost put you in a time, sheet, a time machine, even with Warhorse and, uh, <laughs> you know, his track that went back to like a 1980s Kill 'em All. Like I had been waiting to do something like that. So, you know, it was it was like the back of my hand to pull out a Kirk Hammett style solo <laughs> and some James Hetfield vocals. You know what I mean? And I think it just sets it sets 
people apart. You know, a lot of people compare me to Jim Johnston and, you know, some right. people try to tell me I'll never be Jim Johnston. And, and that's true. I'm not trying be to be Johnston. right. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. you're your own person. Yeah. Jim Johnston is a, a composer and he has his own specific way of doing things. And I consider myself a musician slash producer. If you if people want to label me a composer, that's fine. But I have my own way of doing things. I'm self-trained. I'm self-taught. I haven't had any to- sort of formal training whatsoever. I just kind of developed the style over my time. And for me to be different, uh, it just came natural to kind of focus on the nuances that that people say that really kind of capture the energy and capture the vibe that they're looking for when they take the walk to the ring. That's awesome, man. Brandon, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I actually had a question on that because you said you weren't uh, formally trained or anything like that. Uh, you say you've done like uh, film scoring and, and stuff like that. How, how were you able to sort of do that? You know, I, I always think, of, you know, the guy with the staff, you know, and he's, you know, marking down everything is like, is there a different way to go about it? Yeah, for me, it was all just I I had the video files and I just matched up the time codes and I figured, okay, if I need to do a minute's worth of music, I try to figure out there's specific hit points in a scene. So if somebody's running or if they hit some, they crash into a car or somebody gets punched, I look at that scene and then I, I try to figure out the pacing leading into that scene and then heading out of that scene to transition into the next one. So when you think about hit points and levels, I just kind of looked at it as, okay, I'm going to think of, again, an overall tempo. And what story thematically am I trying to tell overall, like an overarching story? And then just I just create the music and play it back and sync it with the video over and over and over and over again. So I, I don't. I don't. I can't read music. Neither <laughs> and can I. I'm crazy enough. I can't <laughs> read. Would have been able to tell. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know about <laughs> And uh, I just kind of everything I've done has always been by ear and just kind of on the fly. Let me ask you this, because I always feel like I have a little bit of ADHD kind of because I'm able to kind of zone out and and kind of get into that space. Do you do you feel do you have ADHD or anything like that? Because you 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 exhibit those signs of like being able to kind of go into a, a completely different mindset than other people. A thousand percent. And it's, yeah. it's weird because you, you'll even like seeing me on here as I'm talking, my eyes will kind of dart yep. around the room. I have a really bad issue trying to focus on, on one thing. And it's I've been like that ever since I was little. I never had like any sort of medication to kind of uh, curb right. that. I never it, it just I learned my own self coping mechanisms. And a lot of it fell into through um, multitasking. And um, there were certain things that used to bring me back to a center back in the day because, you know, like everything, you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. And there's days that I wake up and I can't even finish a single thought. And I try to tell somebody the best way to describe it is you've got a million pieces to this gigantic puzzle in your head. And as you're going to reach for one piece to the puzzle, another piece catches your attention. So you don't grab that piece. You try to grab the other piece and it just, it's a lightning speeds uh, process over and over and your mind just goes everywhere. So I, I've kind of learned to bring that to a center when it comes down to multitasking, but also uh, when you get into programming for whatever reason, I just, I lose all track of time and space and I'm just in this grid and it's like assembling this puzzle. That's what a lot of a lot of producers will do beat machine. They'll play a drum kit for or electronic drum kit for beats. Some have a beat machine. I've got a native instruments machine. But there are times where 
I just take my mouse and I point and click. Like people wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, but the the drum tracks for Butcher and a Blade, only maybe thirty percent of those were on a were on a beat machine. The rest I programmed yeah. by hand. So I believe you it. know, I, I believe for it. me to go in there and just click and paint and click and program and move and it just for me it just it works i don't i don't know why it just it kind of you go to that place and next thing you know you step out and you've got all this stuff done and you say how the hell did this happen so (laughs) (laughs) so what's the quickest turnaround you've had on a song like you get a call and like hey we need a theme for dynamite what's the quickest turnaround Uh, and what song was it i should say a couple of hours um I, i would have to say probably the inner circle um that's the one that sticks out in my mind the most i was actually on the road it was a couple of them i was on the road with an inner circle i was headed to my wife's office uh she was a property manager at the time and i got a text from qt we had started on uh doing the inner circle theme like four or five months before and everybody said hold off so i kind of i deleted the whole session because i just figured we weren't going to use it and then out of the blue qt texted me he's like hey you got that inner circle song and i was like what (laughs) and he said um uh jericho wants a inner circle song and i was like um we do realize that tv starts in like two and a half hours right he's like yeah how soon can you have it done i was like i'm turning around headed back to the office right now so i had i started i already had the idea of what i wanted to do in my mind and i just ran home and started to put it together and of course um in the midst of that uh QT texts me and says, Jericho wants you to pitch him on what you think <laughs> the circle theme should sound like. So I said, well, it's got to be arrogant. You, you want to sell the arrogance. It's got to be, you know, kind of a slow pace. Nobody's rushing to the ring when it's an ensemble. Everybody's kind of strolling out. And um, they said, go for it. So I, I threw it out there. I, I put it together in like two hours and, and sent it up. And then <laughs> QT calls me and he's got a voice message of Jericho telling me hey say at the top inner circle (laughs) so i got a good kick out of it and you know we were off and running that one and then uh vicky guerrero i had been getting uh messages the night before um it was a back and forth whether they were going to get music for her or not and they said uh i i got a call from i think it was kevin sullivan uh, over at post-production, he says, you might want to get a, a song together, I think. And I said, well, I think Tony said we're not using music. He's like, I think you better get it. You might, you might need to put something together. And then lo and behold, about 1 o'clock in the morning, I got an email from Cody. He said, hey, you got any music for Vicky? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got up the next morning, and I actually had some other stuff to that I had to finish for the show that night. So as I'm finishing that stuff, I said to myself, what the hell am I going to do for Vicky? Like, who like what music can you do for Vicky that's going right. to put her over? I said, you know, her her voice is so iconic that that's mm-hmm. that's what would put her over. So I just I sampled her voice and I played it a few times and I I laughed hysterically as I was putting it together because I knew the reaction it was going to get. Right. Uh, and social media blew up. Social. I remember that day. Social media went crazy. Like, what's this Vicky Guerrero song? And honestly, <laughs> I got to give you kudos because as a talented artist, it's kind of hard to be able to kind of throttle it back down because, in, in, like you said, her voice is what makes her unique. So in that sense, you almost have to say, like, it's not about the music. I have to really encompass this voice and get that over as opposed to composing a good song. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you kind of have to make and it's it's all a decision making process. And I I learned to kind of take myself out of the equation a long time ago. Um, A lot of musicians 
take their their production extremely personal and uh, they don't really know how to. And and there's a difference between constructive criticism and somebody just completely trolling. And there's a difference between yeah. somebody trying to offer criticism that doesn't understand the situation. So I always try to filter my criticism directly from the client that I'm making the music for as opposed to everyone else out there. But I've learned a long time ago that this is not about me. This is about telling somebody else's story. So it doesn't matter how many times I have to go back and do it again. It doesn't matter how many times I have to tweak or adjust. I'm going to do it as many times as necessary until that person is happy. So, um, you know, you, you take that out of the equation and it really it alleviates all of this other pressure in terms of trying to perform and, and trying to do what feels good to me. When they're happy, I'm happy. And when I can capture exactly what they're trying to uh, project, then it makes me feel a lot a lot better about the job that I'm doing. And does that carry over, you know, to MMA and sort of film scoring, like that same sort of give and take between, you know, user producer and sort of the talent and the other people that are around sort of making the themes? Sure. And, uh, and everybody's going to have, I think the toughest part of it is trying to decode what somebody wants if they don't understand the music process and right. they don't understand uh, lingo. Uh, so you kind of have to part of part of the job is is decoding what it is they're trying to tell you, you know, because for us, we always think of like music in itself. We think of bars. We think right. of grids. We think of sections. We think of beats. We think of BPMs. You know, when you send somebody a sample and they think about seconds, well, at this second here or when this part went, and they can't explain like a key change or a modulation. So right. um you always have to take all of those things into consideration and and not necessarily dumb it down you know when you're explaining to them but you want to you want to present it to them on a level where they understand exactly what you're doing and it's kind of like a cycled process it's almost like a little bit of diplomacy making sure that they understand that you're acting in their best interest let me ask you um so if brandon and i per se we were tasked with writing Mikey Ruckus a theme song. And I came at you and I said, look, give me three th three songs that you like that you can see yourself coming out to. What three songs would that be? Oh, they'd all be by Sepultura. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. So, I thought you'd say like Slayer or Megadeth or, or Metallica or something. Yeah, I've, I've always been... Um, I've always been, uh, I've loved Metallica. I've always been uh, a fan of, of Megadeth, you know, personally. But I think my overall vibe... And, and people will tell you this with, with my live sets. Um, there's a different type of energy that comes with me. It's just this is my personal thing. So, again, it goes back to rhythm. The, the Roots album from Sepultura, like, it changed my life. Um, just having all of that tribal rhythm with the heavy guitars and things like that. There were so many things that I could do from that bass like and and just like doing Thunder Rosa's theme a few weeks ago was yeah, a, a awesome. big highlight for me because that's that was the area that that I came up in also that's you you think about these different staples in your life and as a musician you think about those albums that kind of shape you and influence you and when you get to recreate uh, the basis of where you came from you know but yeah for me it would anything sepultura wise with some of the tribal rhythms I'm all for it. Can you hit me with a Thunder Rosa uh, growl right now? 
<laughs> Probably not. It's like tenth. Don't do it. No. It's <laughs> a good try. You, you got some killer pipes too, man. I got to see some of the uh, some of the band stuff. Uh, even the cover stuff you're doing is like fantastic. You did a uh, Bulls of Parade. It was just killer. I was like, oh man. Oh yeah, we we love <laughs> yeah. Rage. But l- let me ask you, who's on Kip Sabian's theme? Uh, who's singing? That's, me. that's you singing on Kip Sabian's theme because that was the one song that I was like, that's got to be somebody else. But let me ask yeah. you, what, like Kip Sabian, and you know, it's not a knock. The first song was was good. He came out, but you know, it was. It's like you you went back in and you put the vocals on it, and it totally took that song in a different direction. Like now, it's one of my favorite AEW songs. Where before it wasn't even in my top five. So, what was your right. thought process like when you say, "Okay, I think this song needs an update"? Well, and it was just in conversation with him. So, it, it's funny because it, this day and age. When you when you think back, and on how uh, theme music has progressed since the '80s, you know everything was instrumental back in the day, and there was nothing to really kind of base it off of. So it could be the simplest song, but if it if it told the story properly, it wasn't considered generic, you know. And then we got into an era where um, you know bands started being licensed, their music started being licensed as full songs, and it's not necessarily a theme song, but people started over the years started to match those songs like full songs with those characters so it did the same thing over time and then it got to a point to where everybody was kind of wanting lyrics nearly every song so from a production standpoint it's it's kind of a uh it's a balancing act because when you add lyrics to a song it's one more voice on tv that's creating chaos so if you think about it you've got the music you've got the crowd noise you've got the ring announcer you've got the commentary and now you're adding vocals on top of that oh, wow. song yeah so you have to be very careful on where you place these things and in the very beginning i was really i was really nervous about adding vocals i wanted to but i didn't want to i didn't want to end up in a spot where i was battling with uh, production and they say, hey, you know, we need to kind of back this down a little bit. We need to kind of do that. But and in more collaborations with Tony and the EVPs, and they just kind of opened the doors and said, you know, whatever the talent wants, talk with them. Let's make it happen. So um, the original Kip Sabian theme was based on kind of like a White Stripes slash um, Black Sabbath type of, of approach, you know, very vintage style drums. But without the vocals, it's hard to kind of convey that on tv until you actually listen to it you know by itself so uh i had seen kip i, th- I think we were in charlotte and we were just sitting at a table talking and he said yeah bro i would love lyrics i would love lyrics to the song um i have some ideas and i was like send them over to me so uh <laughs> so he you know he he sent me a bunch of different uh ideas for for lyrics and i said what style you want him sung in he was like kind of like a white stripes kind of he got the know, vibe kind of, and i was like i don't know if i can get that high so <laughs> let me try so you know i tied a couple of things back i'm not going to get too graphic but you know yank <laughs> yank the rope <laughs> you know and then do, uh, and just and went for it you know and um Again, it's just it's it's falling into those nuances and trying to capture the the vision for itself. So anytime I do vocals, for me, I, I love being able to go in and just 
do something different as opposed to like a monotone rap. I, I think about those things differently. Like with my own personal music, I have an album coming out on E1 later this year. Like when I deliver my rap verses, I don't just do everything in the same monotone voice. I think to myself, what would Stars Cream sound like if he was delivering a rap verse? Or what would Dave Mustaine sound like if he's delivering a rap verse? Because a lot of those a lot of those nuances are in my own tone and my own rasp and my voice when I deliver. So, you know, being able to do something like that with Kips or with whoever's, it just adds to the fun and adds to the creativity and it's all good. In wrapping up, um, I want to ask you, how many hours would you say you work now compared to when, when you worked in uh, retail? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I should say because Tony might get upset. In the, in the last conversation, last conversation we had, he was like, "I don't, I don't want to put too much on you if it's, you know, if it's too." I was like, "Bro, I'm working from home, man. Like, I'm, I'm good." And it's different. Um, it's different when you're working for something you want to work for. Yeah, and and I'll preface this by saying that it's not always it, it, it's not always easy. Like, if you think you can work from home by yourself, and like you have to develop. You have to develop the discipline to to go in and to move and to to make decisions and to process like there's no time frame on anything. It's just deliver. You have to deliver and you have to deliver quickly and consistently. So, you know, once you get that in in place, you learn to kind of eliminate all this other stuff. Well, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go play Fortnite for an hour and I'm going to do that. (laughs) You cut all that stuff out. You have to. And like. So from from Monday through Friday, um, I I do an average of nine hours a day, and then um, last couple of months I've been going in on Saturdays and Sunday mornings and doing an extra six seven hours, just because I get up in the morning and my wife and I have completely different sleep schedules. So I'm I'm usually out by two a.m. She doesn't go to sleep till like five or six in the morning. Oh, wow. So when I wake up, she's out. So I'm like <laughs> I'm not going to sit around and you know, play mobile games on my phone. I'm going to go upstairs and go to work for a little bit until she wakes up. So, um, I would have to say at probably 50 to 60 hours a week, um, somewhere around there. Sometimes it's more, uh, when we get towards pay-per-views, uh, it gets super hectic. Um, of course, leading into dynamite, we get super hectic, uh, Mondays and Tuesdays, but excuse me. Uh, there's, there's times where, I just I can have the foresight now to see where things are happening. So I've got some dry erase boards behind me. Uh, it would blow your mind if if I showed you what I was working on right now. Uh, unfortunately, I can't. But I am working on a lot of other stuff besides just the entrance theme. So uh, and I love every single minute of it. Well, we look forward to it, man. We look forward to not only what entrance themes uh, you're coming up with. But what other roles you have as well? We I know you do a lot of social media for um, a- a- analyzing for AEW and things like that. So um, that's awesome, man. You're a very integral part of AEW and the overall feel for these characters. So as fans, we just want to say thank you. Um, thanks for being on here, and we look forward. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I I know you teased it, um, but I uh, you're probably gonna have a new song on Dynamite, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, and of course when this airs. Um, it would have already debuted, I guess. Right. So um, I got Will Hobbs. Uh, Will Hobbs has some new music that'll be debuting tonight. Um, the, the process that we've been going through right now is when we have enhancement talent come in, um, 
there was an uptick in the enhancement talent, probably November, December-ish. And then uh, right when the pandemic hit, we started doing the multi-tapings. So it was almost impossible for me to get up and try to put together 10, 15 songs in a day every single week. So we utilize our library music for the enhancement talent. And then when they get some sort of a, a contract, whether it's developmental or whether they're signed full time, then I get with them and and we create uh, brand new themes. So we finished his up uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he was very very happy. And it's it's not a style that anybody's expecting, but I'm I'm telling you right now, it stands out from all of the other themes. It's completely different. It doesn't sound like anything else on the roster, and I I'm predicting that people will absolutely love it. And I, I can't wait. He's super excited too. I mean, he doesn't look like anything on the roster. You know, he's a pretty unique individual. <laughs> he's awesome. So that that's sure. so awesome that you were able to encompass that. And and you answered a question. I actually, you know, tweeted out, um, hey, I, do you have some questions for Mikey Ruckus? One of them was, have you ever worked on a theme for an enhance, uh, enhancement wrestler and realized that maybe it was too good for just a one-off and that you wanted to give it to someone else? So you just answer it there by saying that you have your music library. Right, right. So, and and just to, to add to that, in the beginning, it was we were doing um, <clears throat> we were doing things for some of the enhancements. We just didn't realize it was going to kick up as fast as it did. Right. And uh, we had a couple of spots where I had. I'll give you an example. So I, I I've done probably two or three hundred uh, entrance themes for independent wrestling um, throughout 2016, 2019. So I had all of these, and I was doing them for like. A $50 license so they would get to use the song but I would own I would own the actual song they just get to use it for in perpetuity on the indie scene uh, and we had a couple that came in that we didn't know we we're going to stick around so I just well here use that for tonight because we can't we don't have anything right now and then they end up staying so then I have the the indie guy like hey th- that's my song and it's like I love you I appreciate you but w- we had this conversation a year and a half ago <laughs> You can use the song, but it's not your song. Remember? Oh, that's right. Okay. I said, but you can use it. (laughs) Okay, cool. So, but yeah, to to eliminate all of that stuff and and to kind of take a little bit off of my plate, we, you know, we go with the, uh, the library music. So it it works out every Monday morning. uh, And even sometimes on Sundays, I'll get a list of the enhancement talent that's coming up and, um, we go that route. I pull those out and then move forward. And I hate, I, I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. Um, I don't want people to think that, you know, cause we were using independent music like bands and things like that. I don't want people to think that that's going away. Um, we're just restructuring some things behind the scenes. And when the opportunities present themselves again, you'll see a lot more Andy bands being showcased again. Awesome, man. And, and thank you for that. That was uh, some, some inside info that I, I actually didn't know. So, um, so <laughs> awesome that you would reveal that on our podcast. Again, thank you for your time, man. I won't keep you too much longer. I know you you're, went over the half hour we had allotted and you're a busy man. So um, look forward to hearing your songs on Dynamite, man. And thank you again. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You guys have a good one. Hey, take thank care. Wow, Brandon, like what an interview with Mikey Ruckus, dude. He he let us know some things that we probably shouldn't know about, you know, enhancement mm-hmm. talent. Uh, you know, but Brandon's all all for information that he's not supposed to know. I mean, Brandon, <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't even know that Brandon was excited for this interview. He's falling asleep over there. It's like eleven o'clock in the morning. But it's all that well, talking like, that you did in the podcast, yeah. right? 
I used a lot of energy. There was a lot of talking in this interview. It's because Mikey Ruckus brought the ruckus, all right? You felt it. I felt it. We loved it, all right? Good Good luck. Good one, Brandon. Yeah. If you want more fire content, like you just saw, you know what you need to do. You got to hit that thumbs up button. You got to subscribe. You got to hit the little bell notification. Take it straight to the top, baby. People, people want to be on our show. They want to get their names out there. In all seriousness, help us out. Hit that thumbs up button if you like that interview so we can get more interviews like that for you. So we can get Brandon yeah. talking. I mean, God knows you. Brandon, what happened to your green screen? Look, YouTube, I was just about to say YouTube, YouTube's algorithm, you know, well, get us up there in YouTube's algorithm. And YouTube was like, nope, censoring this guy right now. No, Lewd content. trying to block me. Don't let him block me, people. <laughs> but Keep subscribing. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. Thank you to Mikey. What an amazing interview. Um, and what about that Kip Sabian song? Mm, I didn't realize oh. that was him on the song. 